Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. A lot going on. Praise God. All right, so uh, like I said, band, if you can stay up. The reason that I want you to stay up is because you're awesome, but also because I'm teaching on a subject that is probably one of my favorite teachings. I haven't taught it in a, a big setting like this before. Normally, I have taught it in, a, in small, smaller group type settings. I recently was able to teach it and release it in Mozambique at the uh, Iris Harvest School, which was really fun. And uh, I just felt prompted last Sunday, actually, by the Holy Spirit to teach on it today. Uh, this house has got such an amazing culture of uh, praise and worship. I love the way that you guys are so free. There's so much freedom in this house, and I love the way that you exp- uh, express it. But I feel like uh, God wants to take it up to an even higher level. How many people know that it's great to have freedom, but there's always more freedom? Do you know that? Why don't you say to the person next to you, there's always more freedom? That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. It's unending. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? So I'm happy about being released to teach on this. And uh, I reckon by the end of it, everyone's going to be happy about it. Okay? So let's do this. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to pray. And we're going to make this somewhat an interactive an interactive teaching today as well. So you're going to hear it, and then we're going to see some people activated. And so uh, for some of you that maybe carry a little bit of inhibition, a little bit of fear, that's going to be broken today in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to see great, great breakthrough and freedom. Amen. And I believe that when we get free in our expression in praise and worship, uh, it also translates or overflows into other areas of our life as well, which is really, really important. We get the breakthrough on the inside, and then that flows out of us in every area of our life. So who's looking forward to that? So Ephesians, uh, before we go there, I'm going to pray first of all, Lord, thank you for this as a teaching today, a specific teaching. Thank you, God. Uh, I pray that it'd be really clear, uh, really simple in the way that everyone can understand, although there'll be different layers of revelation, everyone no matter how long they've been in the faith, can somewhat relate to it, understand it, and apply it to their life. God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the great privilege just to be in your house, God. On this, the Lord's Day, I thank you for all the beautiful people that you've brought together from different walks of life for such a time as this. Thank you for an amazing community, God. In Jesus' name, amen. It is an amazing community. I have had the great privilege, particularly over the last couple of years, of uh, bouncing around different nations and seeing different communities, and I always love coming back home. It's not a biased statement, although I do, I do probably have some bias, but it's really a true statement that the expression and the worship in this house is phenomenal. And I, I believe God wants to continue to grow into that. Uh, we, can, we can have strengths, but sometimes we can um, neglect our strengths because it is a strength rather than see that strength become something even greater. And so that, that's, I believe that's a prophetic word for some of you guys as well. It's often a strength is a gift from God that should be developed so it becomes amazing and awesome. Uh, a gift that's developed 
that turns into something excellent can actually bring you before kings. For example, David, uh, it was his gift of playing the harp and his uh, discipline to practice and to become excellent at it. We know he had a heart after God. We know he was anointed, but it was also the gift and his discipline to practice that gift and develop that gift. So that principle applies to not only musical instruments, but every gift, everything that you're strong at, every strength that you have, I want to encourage you to practice that, get better at it, and develop that gift. Amen? Be the best we can for Jesus. Be the best person that you can for Jesus and for his kingdom. So uh, just moving back a couple of steps from that, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Just going to stop there for a minute. Uh, It's not the topic of my subject, but I want to speak into it a little bit. I believe, now there are some people that believe differently, but I believe that it's not a sin to have a glass of wine or a a beer or something like that. But uh, the sin is the drunkenness or the excess of it. Now, what is excess and how do you gauge that? I believe that's something between you and God. Although scientifically, if you're over 0.05, you're altered in such a way that you can't drive. They've proven that. So I would say just be careful if you start going over 0.05, if you start having a few more than a couple of drinks, then you then become altered in a way that I believe is not good and you can start to make wrong choices and wrong decisions from that place. So... um, so, and some people obviously hold to total abstinence as well because uh, for various reasons. So we want to respect people that hold that view too. But anyway, here it says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. But it goes on to say, but be filled with the Spirit. Interesting that it draws a parallel, a direct parallel between being drunk or overwhelmed with a natural wine, and then being overwhelmed with the Spirit. I know in the old days, I would drink in excess because I wanted to get rid of fear and sometimes anxiety, and I, it was like the Dutch courage, you know, that old expression. I'd go to the nightclubs and think I was it in a bit, and, and alcohol was a fake tool to try and build some sort of fake identity that wasn't real because when the alcohol wore off and the next day when I had a hangover, I was even more depressed, even more confused than I ever was to begin with. But that's not how it is with the Spirit. When you get filled and overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, it brings a boldness in you. One of the characteristics of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being overwhelmed or filled to be overflowing with the Spirit is boldness. I'll give you an example. Acts chapter 4 Uh, the saints were gathering together, persecution was on their doorstep and they prayed and they said, God, fill us, cause us to be overwhelmed, cause us to be drunk, if you like, in your spirit in such a way that we would speak your word with boldness. So we know that boldness is one of the attributes of being filled with the spirit, being overwhelmed or being drunk in the spirit. So I love the fact that the author here, Paul, draws a parallel between being the counterfeit of being overwhelmed with wine. He says, don't do that. That's going to leave you a headache. That's going to mess things up. 
there's something way better. Get high with the Most High. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if you're with me so far on that point, just give me a big shout out. I want to know that you're with me. Glory to God. So what I love now is that he, the author Paul, actually the author is God. Paul's just the pen. Every scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen? So here we see uh, God teaching us how to be filled with the Spirit or how to be drunk or how to be overwhelmed, inebriated, intoxicated with the Spirit. Amen? Glory to God. Come on. Come on. You don't get drunk by just having a few little sips. It's the same way with the Spirit. Some of us just have a few little sips and and we go home, but God's calling us to drink deeply of His Spirit. In the old days, I was the last one to go. The bouncers had to kick me out of the pub. 3 a.m., 5 a.m., rolling me down the stairs. And I remember when I got saved, I'm like, man, I ran so hard for the devil. I want to be, I want to be the last one to leave a prayer meeting. Or I just want to keep drinking of your spirit for hours and hours and hours. I want to partake of your spirit to be so overwhelmed and so overcome by your love. And so transformed and changed that I'll never be the same again. Amen. Come on. Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Glory to God. So he brings now some instruction. So he brings a parallel between being, don't be drunk with wine, but be in excess of the Spirit instead. And now he goes on to say how to do that. And this is now where it's beginning to line up with my teaching. Speaking to yourselves. Everyone say yourselves. The context is church. The context is community, the Ephesian church. He's saying speaking to yourselves in Psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now that passage is written to the whole church, every believer, not just the worship leaders and the musicians. Some of us have the mindset where we come to church, we know there's going to be music to start, so we come late because we're more, you know, we want the teaching. And, you know, we have the mindset, it's it's just, we do a few songs and uh, it's maybe a bit like some churches, it feels a bit more like Christian karaoke as opposed to worship. Are you with me? We just we, we clap along, but we're waiting for the next thing. We don't engage. But God wants us to engage and use that opportunity and use that space to drink deep of His Spirit. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So we use this time of worship. Whether you can sing or not, whether you clap in time or out of time, whether you can dance, it doesn't matter. It's about your heart. It says making melodies in your heart. Heart worship for the hour has come where the Father is looking for those that will worship in spirit and in truth. And from the heart we make melodies unto God. And it's good to have knowledge of what can happen. When we do that, we're in faith. It's spiritual activity. It's phenomenal. 
It's keys. It's an invitation. It's instruction on how to be filled, how to be overwhelmed by His presence. Man, it's His presence that changes us. It's the Holy Spirit that changes the nation and He wants to change you first from the inside out. He loves us, amen? And so sometimes there's also mindsets that can begin to form if we don't speak into it, where we think, oh yeah, the people at the front, the people that come to the front, they're the worshipers, but I'm more of a word person. Or I'm more of a this person. I'm, I'm more of a that person. Everyone's a worshiper, man. We're born to worship. We're born to give our all to God. Take every moment. We don't have that long on this earth, man. Take every moment to engage with God and His presence, particularly in these sessions, uh, these Moments as a family where we come together and we worship and we sing to yourselves, it says, to yourselves, to one another, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The other thing that can happen for you people that are word people, who likes the word? Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Who wants that? That's happening right now because we're preaching the word. But it's not just when the pulpit comes out and when the speaker speaks that the Word of God is released. And we also know it's in our own private time. But here in 3.16, it shows us something else and gives us more instruction around the subject of praise and worship. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing or gently warning one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the Word, not only, not only is the Spirit filling you and causing you to be overwhelmed, changing you from the inside out, giving you a boldness, giving you a freshness, releasing peace and joy and all the kingdom attributes. The Word of God, because of the lyric content in these songs, is stirring up in you. Faith is stirring up in you. The Word of God is richly dwelling in you. Know these things when we start the service. When you're at home and you put your worship album on, know that this is happening in you. The Word of God is richly dwelling in you, stirring in you, stirring your inner man for great things, causing you to fall in love with God even more than you ever have before, causing this development of this rich, intimate relationship between you and your Maker. God gave us music, man. The music doesn't belong to the world. It doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to the king's kids. Created it for us as a, as a platform, as a vehicle to enter deeply and connect with the heart of God. Amen? And it's for everybody. So I quickly want to go through now and do it. This is where the teaching comes into it. I want to show you some very, very interesting things. Is that okay? Who's got their Bibles ready? We're going to get into seven... I'm going to show you seven things. I've taught on this in smaller settings. Some of you may have heard it to a degree, but many in here haven't. And I'm really looking forward to sharing something interesting. I'm going to bring out some Hebrew. Everyone say Hebrew. Did you know that the original language in the Old Testament is Hebrew? In the New Testament, it's Koinonian Greek. Or another way to say it is it's old school Greek language. So if you speak new school, 
you'll probably understand certain aspects of it, some similarities, but it's very much, it's very different to the, the modern Greek, but it's coined in Greek. But today we're going to look at the Psalms and we're going to look at, in particular, certain words, Hebrew words, that help us to define what praise looks like. Who's ready for that today? All right, so the first word we're going to look at, you can bring up the slide if you want, Maddie, and I'm going to take us to Psalms 68.26. Everyone turn there with me. 68.26. It says this, it says, Praise ye God in the congregations... Some of your translations may say bless. We'll leave that slide up there. That's good. Praise ye God in the congregations, even the Lord from the fountain of Israel. Everyone say praise. This word praise is used a lot throughout the Psalms. If you didn't know already, many of the Psalms were actually songs and created and written around music. Isn't that cool? I would encourage you, if you're looking for fresh worship music, there's a band called Sons of Korah. I often listen to it while I'm at the gym or in various places because not only is it beautiful music, but it's pure word. It's the Psalms that are being uh, sung to uh, music. It's really powerful. On a side note there. So anyway, here it says, Bless or praise ye God in the congregations, even the Lord from the fountain of Israel. This word praise... In the original form is Barak. Now you'll see here, see the first word, B-A-R-A-K. That's the actual Hebrew word. The Barak is to help us to try and pronounce it. It's the English equivalent, if you like, Barak, but it's actually spelled B-A-R-A-K. And this is the definition of that Hebrew word. The English language is somewhat limited when you're trying to translate Hebrew or coined in Greek, and to be honest, any language. There are limitations. And so we see that when it comes to trying to describe what praise actually looks like. Some of us hear the word praise, and in our old church mindset, we think, oh, that just means fast song. You know, praise is fast song and worship is slow song. Who's had that mindset before? But here we see it's very different. The word praise or bless here has some specific details to help define what the author is talking about here, the psalmist. And it says to kneel, by implication to bless God as an act of adoration. I was so blessed, I was standing here and just watching numerous people boraking, if you like. <laughs> Without fear, not caring who's around. Everyone say body language. We have English, we have Hebrew. There are many different tongues, many different nations, many different languages. We also have body language. And God sees that. We can speak to God through our actions, through our, through many different ways, but certainly through our actions. And one of the ways when we kneel, to me, it, it's saying to God that, I'm, come, I'm going low. It speaks of humility. 
It speaks of a, of a life that's sold out, that realizes that we're nothing without God. It speaks of honor and respect to the one that gave his life, the one that gave his breath. And it says to do it in the congregation. Don't be afraid about what you look like. Just get low and get humble. You know, the Bible says God gives grace unto the humble. And this is a beautiful expression of praise. It's a way to adore God through body language. And this is something that I believe everyone should participate in. It's not just for the radical worshipers. It's not just for the word lovers. It's for everybody. Amen? There's a physical action associated with that word, Barak. And we adore God through that. So isn't that interesting? I, want to, I hope this inspires you to dig deep when it comes to studying the word. You'd never know that if you just read that scripture and brushed over it. Bless ye God in the congregations or praise ye God in the congregations. You never realize if you unpack that word, it actually means to kneel, to go low, to be humble, to express yourself towards God, to say, I give you my life. I give you everything. I'm not afraid of the opinions of man. I just want to show you that I'm sold out for you, God, and give you all my life. Amen? Let's have a look at number two. So what was number one? Very good. Number two. Your door. That's how I remember it. Your door. All right, so we see Yada is, looks like that's how it's pronounced, or that's how it's spelt, but the English equivalent is your door. And here it says to revere in worship with extended hands. So it wasn't Hillsong that made the extended hands popular. As great as Hillsong is, it, it's an ancient practice. It's a part of our Hebrew, our Jewish roots as Christians. The extended hands. Once again, it's to me, it, it symbolizes humility to say we let go of our life. We don't hold on to things in our own strength or try to deal with things in our own strength, but we let go and we extend our hands as a family and we lift up and say, God, we adore you. We love you. We worship you. So I want to give you an example of that. Psalm 717, turn with me there. Psalm 717, you guys okay with this? It's good to teach sometimes and just go a little deeper and unpack some things. There are many different subjects that if you, for the word people here, and actually everyone should be a word person, many different subjects that if you begin to go deep and unpack the original language, you'll find some great treasures, some amazing things in the word of God that you might not have discovered before. So here's another example, Psalm 717 in the English translation, no doubt yours will say it too. It just simply says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. But if we go a little deeper and we unpack it, we realize that word praise in the original language is your door. And here we see the definition of what it looks like to praise in this setting. You guys are starting to realize why you're here, right? because we're going to activate people in this very soon. Some of you guys that have been toe tappers for so long and afraid to, to get out of your favorite seat each Sunday. Glory to God. Yeah. 
I'm setting you guys up because it's getting more wild as we go. We've got seven. We're only up to two. By the end of it, you're going to see these ancient Hebrews, they are crazy, crazy for God. To revere and worship with extended hands. And you'd never know if you only just read that in the English translation. So here it is. I will extend my hands and worship God, the Lord, according to your righteousness and sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Let's have a look at number three. Let's bring it up. So you got your door. Now we've got two door. Easy to remember, right? There's a, in Psalms 24, it reminds me of something. It says, uh, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and let the King of glory come in. Lift up your heads, you ancient doors. And it reminds me of that because when we, when we are lifting up our heads in worship, when we're extending our hands, when we're saying, God, I love you, I worship you, when you switch off from everything else and just give God the adoration and the affection that he deserves. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And the king, it says in Psalms 24, the King of Glory, actually, we are doors, we are gates for his presence. So the King of Glory comes in. We're ancient gates, ancient doors. We're his creation. We're connected with him. And supernaturally, he flows through us and changes atmospheres. Worship is very, very powerful when it comes to changing atmospheres. Amen? So two door. Here, the definition is adoration with the extension of the hands, but specifically a choir or a procession of worshipers. So your door is singular, two door is plural in the sense of it's, a, it's congregational. It's as a family. God loves it when we're in unity together. How beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And here there's a specific word dedicated to a congregation or a choir or a procession of believers coming together and saying, we give up our life. We yield our will to your will. And we show that through body language by extending our hands and saying, God, we're sold out for you. We refuse to try and pick up our life and do things in our own strength again. God, help us. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I lean not on my own understanding. Hey, maybe you could play that in the background. That's a good one. Glory to God. So, example of that, Psalm 56, 12. Let's quickly go there now. you say the person next to you, you're getting a Hebrew lesson this morning. Glory to God. Psalm 56, 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. That word praises is two door. Isn't that amazing? Glory to God. One of the many examples of that type of praise. Once again, very interesting that the English language only translates praise, yet we have at least what I've found in my personal study, I've found seven clear types of praise, 
different Hebrew words with different characteristics or a different description to define each one. Next one, this, if you're, how many people play some sort of instrument, even if it's just a little bit, just give us a wave if you do or if you have played an instrument. Cool, lots of people here. Even the spoons, like whatever it is. Triangle. This one's for you. You ready? Psalm 98.4, we'll go there and we'll bring it up on the slide and we'll talk about it now. Zorma. Zorma, the English equivalent. That's how you spell it in the Hebrew. It says to touch, this is the description, to touch the strings or parts of an instrument, to celebrate in song and in music. All right. Number five, Shorbach. Everyone say Shorbach. I told you it gets a little wilder as we, as we move into the numbers. This one is to address in a loud tone. Everyone say loud. loud. I love the still small voice. I love the intimacy of worship and and we just experienced that then. It was a taste of something beautiful, the, the depths of God's heart. But we also see a different type of expression that God loves, and that is to address in a loud tone. You know, sometimes we have mindsets, I'm more of a quiet person. But I want to challenge you today. Within all of us, the depths of our heart, there's this desire to be loud and expressive sometimes. I know quiet people. I know some Collingwood quiet people. They're quiet during the week, but when they get to that football game, all of a sudden things change. (laughs) Or sometimes we can be so expressive about other types of things, but when we get to church, we think we have to be good and proper and in order. But I want to kind of give you a license today to say that God's order maybe looks a little bit different than what you think order should look like. (laughs) So here we see God's order uh, and His something that He adores and loves and it is to address in a loud tone, to commend, to praise with the sound of triumph. What When people really believe that they are victorious in Him, what does it sound like? if we let it out, if we're not fearful, if everyone believes it and we don't just leave it for the worship leaders, what would that sound like? I tell you, it scares the hell out of hell. (laughs) Demons tremble at the praises of his saints. There's a consistent theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament Supernatural occurrences when the saints believed the truth, they're on the front line and often the army didn't even need to physically fight because the demons were so afraid at the praises of God's people. The sound of victory, the sure bark of the saints. Psalm 63.3, let's have a quick look. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall 
praise thee, but even more accurately, it says, my lips shall sure bark. My lips will address with a loud tone. My lips will commend, will praise with a sound of triumph. The previous scripture that we use as an example for, for Zormar, I quickly want to go back there, 98.4, Psalm 98.4. I want to zoom in and I want to challenge everyone here. How many people like the Word of God and claim that if it's in the Word, they'll do it? I'm setting you up. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Is it just for the psalmist, just for musicians, just for the loud bunch? Those that are geared that way, wired that way, made that way? Notice I did the quote marks. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All, everyone say all. All. All the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. It's an invitation and it's a challenge to say we are not quiet. We believe that we are victorious in Him. I mean, if the saints were like this in the Old Testament before the blood was even shed, before Jesus had risen from the dead, how much more should we be loud and expressive because we have the victory where new creations, old things have passed away. I mean, if David got crazy around the Ark of the Covenant when the presence of God was in a limited form, how much more that we now have the fullness of God, not only in a physical Ark, but we are the Ark, the presence of God in us, dwelling in us, abiding in us. How much more should we be sure barking? Glory! Jesus, Jesus, all the earth. All the earth, let all the earth make a joyful noise. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you are awesome. God, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're awesome. Glory to God. I want to encourage get a hold of this, particularly when you don't feel like it. Because we're saints. We walk by faith and not by feelings or not by sight. And often when you don't feel like it, that's when you should. Because you'll start in the flesh, so to speak, and you'll finish in the Spirit. As you shout, you break through. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Spiritual warfare, heaviness breaks off. Depression breaks off. Because Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Glory to God. Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Uh, my favorite one is still yet to come. Are you ready? Let's bring the next one up. We're almost out of time. Hey, this is going to start to get a little wild because we're already starting to creep into this one now. Number six, halal, not like the Muslim meat. This is a lot better. Halal, originally of sound but usually of color. 
Oh, look at, look at, is, come up here, Esther. All right. So I'm, what we're doing, we're teaching people about the Hebrew word for praise. And in this particular case, it's halal. And this is the description up here. Originally of sound, but usually of color. We have flags. We have all different types of expressions, dance, art. Man, there are no limitations when it comes to creative expression for God and worship for God. And here is your license to shine, to make a show, to boast. Oh, no, brother, you, that's pride. No, not boasting of yourself, boasting of God. He's the one that we're made, putting on show. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. We, we want everyone to know that he is king, that he is victorious. And I love this next part, to be calamorously foolish. Everyone say calamorously. Maybe that's the first time you've heard that word. It's an English word that pretty much says just go crazy and wild and free for God. Calamorously foolish to rave. We're taking back the rave party. The lights. God's not against lights and technology and colorful expression. Taking back the rave and to celebrate, we're taking back the party. The party belongs to God. This type of expression is found when David, as I mentioned before, got around the Ark of the Covenant. He danced with all his might, with all his strength. Everything that he had, he gave it to God. You see how I'm setting you up here? Everything, everyone, all. But are you ready to help me set these guys up? We're going to finish with the party. But the last one is Psalm 34.1. in relation to our seven points of praise. Number seven, let's bring that up. Tehillah, which I think is quite interesting that we started off by saying don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now we end with tequila, I mean tequila. So don't be drunk with tequila, but praise with tequila. What is to heal her? To praise with a hymn, with song. It's a great way to remember it. That's how I remember things, Nevin. I'm not sure about you, but I try and relate words together. What's that? You'll drink to that. I like that. Glory to God. So let's raise, let's raise our glasses together. Let's stand our spiritual glasses and let's finish off with the party, shall we? Glory to God. I, I want to encourage you to break through any fear. Hopefully, the, what the Word does, it gives license. It, it, the Bible says they'll know the truth. The truth shall set them free. As I said before, if you get freedom in this area, it translates into every other aspect of your life. We know it's spiritual warfare. We know the devil hates it. So even if it's just for that reason alone, just be a part of what's going on because the devil hates it. Hell hates it. Supernatural things take place. What about Paul and Silas? They were partaking in Tehillah when they were in prison. They weren't complaining. They weren't 
whinging. They weren't upset at God. They began to partake in Tehillah. They began to sing hymns and pray. And what took place? A supernatural occurrence took place. A miracle took place. The earthquake came. There was a shaking. Their chains were broken. This is what happens. Supernatural things take place. It's a great way to fight if you've got issues. Come to church and just begin to praise and watch what God does in your life. Amen? So why don't we uh, pick the best celebration song that you've got. Eve, could you lead us in this and I'll, I'll help too. But I want to let you know that we're coming into an age where the worship leaders aren't leading the worship anymore. The congregation is leading the worship. I saw it in Nuremberg. The church there traditionally has been so uh, rigid, even by their own admission, and all of a sudden there was this event in a stadium in Nuremberg, and honestly, you can watch it back on night one, the band didn't lead, the congregation led, 27,000 strong led, and spontaneous worship. It wasn't the, the worship leader saying, come on, let's all shout now. It just broke out. The, the people knew they had a license to be free and express their heart for God. And I'd love to see that continue in this place. Not just with the people at the front, but every single person in the congregation, free and expressive and getting victory in the Spirit through praise and worship. Amen? So let's quickly go back through, flick through them all. I want to encourage you to partake in, in this, in our ancient tradition of praise and worship. Number one, Barak. Number two, Yodo, singular extension. We're going to do this one today, Tudo, with a procession or a choir of worshipers with extended hands. Remember, it's body language. We, we, we're speaking to God through body language. Number four, Zamor. So you can get your air guitars out and we've also got, <laughs> glory to God. And we've got some instruments here. Number five, Shobak. We're going to hear some loud expression, particularly if you're quiet or if you've, been, if you've told yourself or you're told... You're, no, you're an introvert. No, you're quiet. No, just be quiet. That's not who you are. The Bible says, let all the earth make a loud noise. Glory, glory, glory. Number six, halal, originally of sound, but usually of color. I hope that all of us get participate in this one. It's my favorite. Calamorously foolish. And number seven, Tehillah, hymns. We get drunk in the Spirit through singing hymns. Amen. Lord, I pray for joy and freedom and peace and revelation of righteousness and freedom and victory. Lord God, as we do this, this wouldn't just be something that we're doing as a bit of fun, but this would be such a supernatural act of faith right now. And that many people uh, it would be set free, delivered, healed. And not only in this building, but in the different aspects of our life, different things that are going on. That like in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat's army, the worshippers went out first. And then God fought on their behalf and got the victory, even without fighting. Lord, let that happen right now. Let's do it to finish this morning off. Are you ready? Go for it. Yeah.
Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au. Thank you.